are you today? Good. How are you? I am great. I am Tiffany, and that is Lindsay. Thank you. And this is Luminol Cocktail. So professional. You know, this is the, with shot episodes, the fifth episode since we've started recording again. So yes. I feel like it's getting a little easier, a little less awkward, just kind of getting back into the swing of things. You think we'd be good by now because it's season four. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, we're going to be on our uh, second anniversary before we even got the tattoos we were supposed to get for our first anniversary. Right? That that was a thing we talked about. Let's blame COVID. Yes. It's hard to get a tattoo during COVID. Yes. So. Uh, what's the two-year anniversary gift? Is there one? I don't know. The first year is paper, right? Dollar dollar bills. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to Google it real quick. Okay. What is it? Cotton. Ooh, cotton. Get you a nice cotton shade. Nice <laughs> cotton poly blend. Yep, yep. It sounds beautiful. With our, our logo on it. Yes. There we go. That's that's what I'll do. There we go. <laughs> that's what we could do. Love that. Perfect. Just every year it's just something with our logo. Well, if nobody else is going to promote us, we'll have to promote ourselves. Why not? You know, that's how it works. Nothing wrong with a little shameless plugging. No. Ever. Never. I did that at brunch this morning. I was like, sorry, guys, I got to go record. And they're like, what are you recording? And I was like, let's discuss. I love when people ask me what the name of it is. And yeah. I'm always like, oh, it's a Luminol cocktail. And they're like, Luminol? Like this? And I'm like, Yes. Just like that. And I was like, we don't. We don't drink anything that's bright blue like Luminol. No. Or we haven't yet. Don't think we have, no. No. We could. We could get some of that really disgusting hypnotic stuff. We have used that in one of our drinks before. No. There I we go. I don't remember which one now, though. That counts. But yes. I'd say. Yes. Anyways. Um, so, what's new with you? Anything exciting? What is new with me? Um, hmm. Not a whole lot. Oh, you got your nails done. Oh, yeah, I did do that. That's my new That's my new thing. Uh, every paycheck, I'm going to get my nails done. Nice. Yes. It's really not that expensive, so. Yeah. And it's a nice, this is what, I, this is what I'm working for, is to take care of myself. There you go. So. <laughs> there you go. That's a thing. Like, it's not... Not like it's like a huge deal. It's not like it's a huge expense. And honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, it is a relatively tiny thing. But I think having your nails done as girly as it makes me sound just like is so just nice. Nice. Yeah. Also, I love when they do the hand massage oh, at the end yes. of it. It's so nice. That was my- like, this is why I'm paying you. Yes. That's literally the whole reason why I'm here. If there's a <laughs> way that I can just come and get these hand massages, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Besides that, no, not not really anything. I've done most of my homework on time this week. That's exciting. So good job that's by you. Pretty good. Uh, nope, nothing. Um, oh no, that's not true. Last week we did Secret Cupid. Oh yeah, at my job, and I got super awesome gifts. I know I mm-hmm. told you about a couple of them. I, yeah, did I send you the picture of the salsa? No. Okay, so my secret Cupid made me homemade salsa on day two. Wow. Gave me a 12-pack of root beer and a big bag of, like, the okay. the chippies for salsa. What are those All are right. called? Tortilla chips? Yes. Um, But, so, when you fill up the little sheet, it's like, oh, your favorite movie, favorite artist, whatever. And so, like, um, for a movie, I put, like, 
horror, like just in the genre. And then I wrote like uh, Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And then I also wrote that I like, I mean, it's not a movie, but AHS, like just those kinds of things. Yeah. And so she took images from like my favorite things each mm-hmm. day and put like a little picture with like a quote Aww. on it. So like the first day she took a picture of a goalie from the lightning. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, it's my goal to be, like, a great secret Cupid this week. That's adorable. And then the salsa was, like, it was Sarah Paulson, and it said, holy shit, the salsa is scary good. And, like, she did it all week, basically. Um, For the book, it was Midsummer. She bought me a book. And it was, like, a picture of the uh, Florence Pugh from Midsummer Mm -hmm. crying. Um, and it said, I, um, I always cry after I finish reading, like, a really good book or something. But then the last day, she took a picture of Taylor Swift. And she wrote, she's like, I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift drinks sweet, fruity, like, pink wines, too. Mm-hmm. And so she gifted me, like, a bottle of wine, a bunch of, like, bath stuff. Holy shit. It was really nice. Definitely exceeded the price. <laughs> yes. Boy. Yeah. And there's just a lot of thought that went into yeah. it. Like, she included, like, almost everything I wrote down on the page, which That's is very awesome. nice. Do you, like, find out who your yes. person is? So she came in um, Friday in the yeah. morning. So, like, you can either, like, leave, like, a little note or you can, like, hand deliver. It's up to you, however mm-hmm. you want to do it. But she came into the class and gifted me my last present and was like, she, she, she like apologized for the salsa because supposedly it was really spicy. It was not spicy to me, but oh. she was like, yeah, sorry about that. I was like, no, no, I demand to have that recipe. It's so good. Like, I literally haven't been able to like stop eating it all week. But yeah, so she just handed me my present. That's awesome. Like, yeah, so that was, that was very nice. I'm going to write her a little thank you card, I that think. That sounds nice. Yeah, so that was, I guess, new. That is new and it's exciting. <laughs> I've never heard of Secret Cupid before. Yeah, way, way more fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better results than Secret Santa. Yes. Yeah. Well, because you're not buying everybody, like, yeah. a Valentine's present. But, like, you're buying everyone, like, Christmas presents. So, like, cause it's really hard to, like, mm-hmm. want to go shopping for five days of gift giving, essentially. <laughs> it just sounds so overwhelming to me. It is. It is a little bit. But it's fun. Uh, anything new with you? Um, I'm getting cabinets in my kitchen today. They look lovely. I am the most excited. I've been getting progress pictures, and I'm loving how it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. My countertops get installed this week. It's, she's almost got a full kitchen. It's almost just like I have a kitchen. Almost. Can you use your kitchen yet or no? no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no sink. Okay. I have no sink. I have no stove. I have a fridge. Okay. Well, you know. And that's it. But you're getting a new stove, right? I'm getting, yeah. Yeah getting all new appliances except for the fridge right so but i mean your fridge yeah. is practically new anyways yeah <laughs> so. so yeah that's fun yeah just otherwise just working i'm back in the gym again i've it, gone four days this week saw your post you went there at like six fucking a.m i woke up at 5 30 in the morning no. to get ready to go to the gym like so. i applaud you but no i was like <laughs> They're doing it, and I was like, why did I do this? Why? And the only reason, like, I'm posting about it on social media is because I want this social pressure of people asking me, like, how it's going so that I force myself to continue going to the gym. Because if people don't know, then I don't have any pressure on myself to continue doing it. Right. So I'm like, this way, people can know that it's a thing that's happening, That way I still am, like, you know, using my people-pleasing to my advantage. Right. You're being held accountable. Exactly. So, yeah. It's it's been hard. I'm not a fan. 6 a.m. is – that's – Well, and I was on call that night, too. So, like, (laughs) 
I was up at five. So I woke up at five thirty. I went to the gym, came home, like showered, got ready for work, worked from nine to seven, and then there were two emergencies that went that night. So I didn't get home until almost midnight, and I was like, "This was a poor life choice." No, 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 no. But good for you. I'm gonna try and keep doing it. I'm obviously complaining about it now, but I'm gonna try and keep doing it. Because I don't like it, but I'll like it in, like, a month when I'm feeling better, so. Yeah, when you're, yeah, seeing results. And... When I'm obtaining my goals. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a break before we jump in? Because I feel like this is going to be a long one, so. Ready to get into the case file? Let's do it. Okay. So, I'm excited because this week we're doing a collab episode. It's one she's wanted for a long time. I have wanted this for so long and you'll be able to tell from the many amounts of pages that this document is. Because I did some deep diving. We're going to have a two-parter. <laughs> this, honestly... I, co- I contemplated message you and be like... Should we make this into two parts? Should we, we do, like, one half? It's like, hello, welcome. This is our first two-parter. It's not, <laughs> but it probably should be. Probably. Today's topic is Scientology, because as we know, I am kind of obsessed with cults and talking about them and learning about them and seeing how they work. So this was a fun one. We are supposed to be drinking a really cool uh, Galaxy Magic Mule. It's still cool. It's supposed to change colors. It did, kind of. Sure. (laughs) Tiffany and Alex have been trying to make me feel better about this. Um, So you make this magic blue ice, and then it's supposed to change colors because of the blue ice. But our magical blue coloring is too far frozen into the ice, <laughs> so it cannot change colors. <laughs> it's 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 supposed to be a vibrant purple. It is a lovely periwinkle. I did not crush the ice. It's but the next one I make for the picture for social media yeah. will look how it's supposed uh, to look. It's going to have like three times the amount of blue ice that the recipe says it's supposed to have. It, yes. <laughs> and it's going to be crushed. So it, it could be indeed. like the deepest purple. Um, but you make this fun drink with, uh, like I said, the magic blue ice, which is actually, was it pea flower tea? Mm-hmm. Um, so you just steep that in hot water. Then you make ice cubes with it. But the drink itself has vodka, lime juice, and ginger beer. So just a typical mule. I've also already drank half of my drink. She has. It's delicious. I fucking love a good mule. And this is just, this is good. This is good. I like it. Oh, good. I'm glad you like it. It has no audacities. (laughs) It couldn't even show up. None. He's just... This drink has so few audacities. He's just at home minding his own business. Good. That's how I like it. I don't have a fun fact today because we also kind of don't have time yes. for a fun fact today. <laughs> so, when I saw how many pages this was, I was like, you know, we don't need a fun fact. <laughs> just FYI, guys, this is nine pages. Much longer than what we normally do for a club. Very much longer. This bitch got charts in it. It's got the world's longest quote in it. Man, that quote is long. But it's informative. Yes. 
Very. So. Uh, yeah. So Tiffany um, did all the research for Scientology, essentially. Yep. Uh, and as I read all of her research, I was like, wow, I don't know what I could add here except for the psychology of cults. <laughs> I went too hard. I got too excited and I went too hard. So my contribution is looking at this and how cults use different forms of, uh, psychological, like, uh, techniques to yeah. brainwash people or, you know, hey. however you want to look at this. <laughs> so, um, let me... Some things around so I can actually see because I have a horrible glare on my computer right now. Oh, jeez. Oh, heck. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, um, for starters, a group should not be considered a cult merely because of its unorthodox beliefs, which I felt like was kind of important to. Yes. Because I don't want to say Scientology is necessarily a cult. But what they do be real cult like. <laughs> so, actually, is Scientology even considered a cult? Yes. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if it's like actually been like considered. Yes, it was actually, so there is a, an organization that is no longer around. Oh, okay. Um, but basically their job was to monitor cult activity in America, and Scientology was right fucking up there. They were like, this is... I mean, their practices something are... not are right here. Very cult-like. Yeah. But I wasn't sure. Cults typically have a head person or group of people that have uh, complete control of its followers. Yeah. Cult influence is designed to disrupt a person's authentic identity and replace it with a new identity. And so basically this is how all cults work and not necessarily only cults, but any like any organization has influence. Mm -hmm. Some of it is do and undo influence. Yes. (laughs) This one is not the good one of those. Basically, do influence involves informed consent, your choice, the right to question, listening to your inner voice, and freedom to interact with anyone, free will, and the freedom to leave. That's so a big one. So basically going to, like, a church. Yep. Just you know? going to the church on the corner and you guys could see whatever you want to see and exactly. talk about whatever you want to talk about. However, undo influence mm-hmm. um, is deceptive and it's manipulative. So you are not allowed to question, and your inner voice is heavily suppressed. Uh, it includes isolation and control. Uh, enslavement is a big one. Yeah. Uh, they use fear tactics. Uh, and Dr. Clark, who is one of the founders of the Boston Personal Development Institute, which is a nonprofit group that treats former cult members, and this is a whole fucking thing I didn't know exists, and it's fantastic. Yeah. So damn, I should write them a letter. Go research this because it's real cool. They actually work to advise ex-cult members and their families on how to, uh, I guess, like, reform. Fucking deprogram, yes, basically. Yes, basically. He and his associates have actually treated former members of Scientology, which I thought was very yeah. intriguing. Yeah, but it's very cool. That is really neat. Yeah. So when I think of Scientology, the first thing I think about is Tom Cruise. That's fair. That's fair. Because he's pretty much synonymous with Scientology, which is really unfortunate. I grew up right, like, down the road from the Scientology building. (laughs) don't worry. I'm going to get there. Perfect. (laughs) While he's probably one of the most popularly known celebrity Scientologists, he's definitely not the only celebrity who's involved with this organization. Laura Prepon, Christy Alley, John Travolta, Greta Van Susteren, which surprised me, and Elizabeth Moss, just to name a few, are celebrities that are involved with this religion and all vehemently defend its principles and teachings. 
Yes. Um, so while not all cults are necessarily psychologically damaging to their members, research offers insights about the proper treatment of those who have been harmed, as well as the techniques the cults use to hold the loyalty of old members and attract new ones, which is, again, so fascinating to me. Um, many of those who join and remain in cults do so out of a sincere quest for religious connection, which is the big thing. And all those people that Tiffany just listed have sincere interest in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether or not a cult is destructive is determined by the morality of the cult leader and the nature of the leader's charismatic dream, oh. as said by uh, Dr. Kath. I think it's interesting that people get so passionate about a religion that was started by a science fiction writer. Can I just go ahead and say that? Yep. Uh, a man named Lafayette Ron Hubbard. Lafayette. Yep. That's <laughs> basically once I learned that because being a member of a former cult myself, um, they're, the big guy in that cult was uh, Herbert W. Armstrong. And then it was like, what does the W stand for? It stands for nothing. He just wanted a middle initial. <laughs> and so I was like, what does the L stand for? Did he want to just seem important? And I was like, oh, no, I understand why he went by L, Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Um, in his adult life, he dropped Lafayette and simply went by L. Ron Hubbard. And apparently Lafayette was just too ridiculous or showy of a name. But the idea of a religion based on aliens that required people to fully submit their lives to him was totally reasonable. It'd be like that sometimes. It do. <laughs> So, both Dr. Kath and Dr. Clark are intrigued by the experiences described by cult members resembling personality changes regularly associated with disorders of the temporal lobe of the brain. So, literally being in a cult changes the functions of your brain. Great. Not even kidding. (laughs) There's so much research here. Um, So, this this idea is similar to those seen as reported – sorry – are similar to those seen or reported as resulting from cult conversions. So increased, like, irritableness, mm. um, loss of libido, or altered sexual interest, which we, we obviously know that is already a thing. Yeah. Um, compulsive attention to detail, um, humorlessness, sobriety, being paranoid. Hey, it's me. <laughs> so, and, paranoid um, AF. Yeah, all of those are very similar to what happens in your temporal lobe. So when you, when you mess with the functions of your brain, you're doing a lot of damage, obviously. Um, and I guess it's because when you're, when you're doing these things, when you're staying up late, when you're – how cults normally work, that traditional idea, the movement of the body can lead to altered states of consciousness and changes in the pressure or vibration pattern of the brain, which may affect the temporal lobe. That's, so that's how it's working. It's not great. It's not – Maybe, maybe get Maybe I should scan. check back in <laughs> with my doctor. <laughs> some new study has given Great. me some evidence. <laughs> Love that for us. <laughs> hey, Ian, funny story. Anyways, so let's talk about Scientology specifically for a second. So L. Ron Hubbard was born on March 12, 1911. He split his childhood in between a small farmhouse and hopping apartments in Montana, D.C., and Washington State. As a teen, a highlight was becoming a member of Boy Scouts and meeting the then-president, who Hubbard casually referred to as Cal after a single meeting. Love it. He also took a trip to Guam, where his father was stationed with his mother. 
The travel for this trip started before the current school term had ended, so his mother ensured that the time was used to study so he wouldn't fall behind on his classmates. These things might not sound important, but they do. They are important. I promise. Well, I know they are. I read the, yeah. I read the document. <laughs> While he was there, in between his studies, his father also signed him up to teach English to local children. It's said that there are stories from his journals and his six weeks that he spent in Guam that would later become parallel to stories in the mythology of his life. Because, of course, he told a much grander story about his travels and experiences as a child. Some of these stories uh, are that he claimed to have been raised on a large ranch, which... Is this actually correct? Like, he really thought it took up a quarter of the state? Like, that's what he said? He said it was a 35,000-acre ranch. (laughs) Okay, when I read that, I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So, this massive ranch was owned by a wealthy grandfather who funded his travels around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, He claimed to have begun his uh, travels to Southeast Asia as young as 14, He learned the ways of monks and spiritualists, exploring dark caves on his own to see what secrets they held, which, concerning as fuck. Yep. (laughs) He learned languages in a single night, which, impressive. He was, like, studying by kerosene lamp. I learned this. (laughs) In a dark cave. (laughs) I learned this primitive language in one night. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, his childhood couldn't have been further from what he claimed to have happened, which is why it should come at no shock that his naval career was not what he claimed either. Yep. So initially he claimed that he earned 21 medals and served valiantly in all five theaters of war. Now these are his claims, and then of course, since he was the leader of Scientology, it was all over all their shit too. Mm. Uh, when reports of his military career were requested through the Freedom of Information Act though... The report was full of reasons why Hubbard was not a good member of the service. One quote in particular stood out and said, quote, This officer is not satisfactory for independent assignment. He is garrulous and tries to give impressions of his importance, unquote. Um, I also read reports where they're like, yeah, he had a command for a little while. And he was like, I sunk two submarines off the West Coast, whatever. And it's like, bro... They were like, he literally fired on a log one time, and then another time he fired on an island that was owned by Mexico, Oh, who we're not at war with. We don't want to start shit. And then they're like, you don't get to be in charge of anything anymore, bro. That seems fair. Yeah. Um, Also, I will go ahead and say a lot of the information that I got, especially about the past, like, the early days of his life Mm -hmm. was from a book that was actually written by an ex-Scientology member Mm. who set out to be like, I'm going to write a book about L. Ron Hubbard. It's called Barefaced Messiah by Russell Miller. And he's like, I'm going to write a book about them. It's him. It's going to be so great so people can learn. And then he started doing research (gasps) and was like, oh, no. This man's crazy. (laughs) This is all. These are lies. (laughs) I was like, shit. What a roller coaster. So after his service ended, he began writing fiction and veered into the world of screenwriting. As Tiffany said earlier, he was well-known science fiction mm-hmm. author, which would love to uh, pick up some of those st- stories sometime. <laughs> I read somewhere he has a Guinness World Record. Oh. I didn't. Did not fact check that. Mm. Um, but that he has a Guinness World Record for having the most 
um, published works of a single author. Nice. Um, so his special interest in writing was about aliens and the development and destruction of the world, which, like, sounds pretty solid for science fiction, honestly. honestly. Um, in this time, he befriended a man named Jack Parsons, who was a legit rocket scientist, yep. which that's probably good to have in your back pocket honestly. for writing science fiction. <laughs> um, they joined an organization that would come to be labeled as a black magic cult. I do not know how to say that name. Neither did I. The Ordo Templi Orientis. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jack's girlfriend, Sarah Northrup, uh, would hang out with the two men frequently, and she heard all about the adventures that our beloved main man uh-huh. claimed to have gone on. And eventually she ditched Jack and decided to hook up with our main man, because yeah. of course. <laughs> because of course. He was like, I sunk submarines and... Grew up on a sprawling cattle ranch. one night. Yep. <laughs> so, of course, he was toxic AF in their relationship. Makes sense. And she was actually, like, I read in a couple places she was thinking about leaving him. And he was like, no, actually, you need to marry me. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, God. Because that's healthy. And as a side note, he was 13 years older than she was. Do you know her age? I was very curious. No. I don't know. Um. But I'm kind of like, big, if, there's, if there's any question about whether or not there was, like, predatory behavior, <laughs> I think these Fair. two pieces of information are strong indicators. They are. Yeah. Since times were much different and she thought she couldn't just have him involuntarily admitted for observation if he was serious about death threats, she married him and eventually had a kid with him. And in 1950, they moved to New Jersey, where he started writing a book titled Dianetics, which is basically like the Bible for Scientology. Sarah later in life goes on to talk about her relationship and what she'd witnessed, which probably a pretty good firsthand witness, I I think. I would, yeah. Um, Did she, I wasn't sure, because I don't know the whole history of it, but did she, did she leave? Yeah. Okay. She split. That's what I was hoping, but I wasn't wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, things got weird, and she was like, "I'm, I'm a go. Yeah, I'm okay. a head out. Perfect. Sounds great." She witnessed a lot of um, behaviors that were red flaggy for sure, and as uh, he was quoted, according to Sarah. He said the only way to make any real money was to have religion. That's essentially what he was trying to do with Dianetics. Get a religion where he could have an income and the government wouldn't take it away from him in the form of taxes. So, yeah. Great motives. Dianetics was marketed as almost kind of self-help psychology book. Like, it was in the same... It would be in the same part of the bookstore as those books. Um... A basic overview, this is literally the most basic overview, is that the brain records all of our life experiences, and the bad ones are called engrams. These engrams can be damaging to your being, so you have to eliminate them. The way you eliminate them is through auditing, which is kind of like a therapy session. Um, An auditor asks you a series of personal questions, which you're expected to answer honestly, Then once you have gone over these engrams or traumatic experiences fully, the auditor is able to clear you of them. I don't really know how that's supposed to work, but yeah. Not something I know how to do. (laughs) Yeah. The overall goal is to be cleared of all your engrams, which will supposedly lead you to have a 
perfectly functioning pure mind, or at least that's what he said when he wrote the first book. Dr. Kath defined a cult as a group of people joined together by a common idea or system, essentially, formed by what we all know as the charismatic leader, because we need one of those. He said the expectation is that they can transcend the imperfections infinitude of life, which that's what draws people in, essentially, yep. what, what you just described. Yep. Their ability to therapy away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their we will clear you of your trauma <laughs> and you will be perfect. Yes. Ronald Enroth describes what he calls the seduction syndrome. Uh, many of those inducted into a cult like Scientology come in search of identity or for spiritual reality, and this is especially true of young people, which is something we know from just cults in general. Many people come into a cult such as Scientology at a time in their life when they are undergoing unusual stress or crisis. An example of this is the first-year college student away from home for the first time or the loss of a loved one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. So the name Scientology itself is from a Latin and a Greek word, which combine to mean knowing how to know. Because that Could be makes, more on the nose. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, And while I do agree with the supreme being concept that most other religions have, in this case, the supreme being is an individual's basically higher self, um, to put it plainly, Um, as was later added to Scientology's arsenal as the religion itself was developed, the higher self is called the Thetan. Supposedly, as auditing sessions were happening, people were reporting having recovered memories of a supposed past life. So Hubbard decided to add these recovered memories into his teachings and created a story to go along with them. And don't come at me. Okay, guys. He started by writing one book, and then all of a sudden people were like, I think I remember this. And he was like, great, let me write some more books about what you think you might have remembered. So supposedly the Thetan, or our individual spiritual selves, used to just be vibing with what they called the cause. Which, from what I can tell, is the closest thing they have to, like, an actual, like, god. Okay. Aside from themselves. Right. The cause was just around to create shit, and one of the early creations was the Thetans. Now, together, the Thetans and the cause created matter, energy, time, and space. And then the Thetans, which are supposedly magical beings with psychic powers, tripped and fell and got caught in the stuff that they'd created, and they were just trapped. And then... Over the years, traumatic experience happened, and Engrams stripped them of their creative abilities. And then they traveled through space and time to eventually end up on Earth, where they eventually became the people we now know as them. Just average as hell. Just a bro doing dude things. All right. You you were right. That was chaos. Don't worry. It gets worse. <laughs> I'm very lost. All right. Um... They teach that through getting clear of the engrams, which which is getting clear. So when somebody, when you're doing an auditing course with someone, they clear you. So you want to get clear of your engrams. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, and they do this by completing Scientology courses and serving the Scientology cause. And you can eventually be elevated up the bridge. That sounds beautiful. Yes, beautiful. The bridge is made up of levels within Scientology, and as you complete their task, you can ascend the levels of the bridge. Of course, there's also a price that's associated with them. What? There's a chart that's available online that outlines the costs um, through just a different 
just from a university actually um, that I have in the show notes so we can include it in the um, Instagram post probably. Mm-hmm. The levels of the bridge are called OT levels in which OT is an acronym for Operating Thetan. So there's an ad that I came across in my research and here's what it says about OT levels. As you progress in Scientology, you start moving up and out of the traps of this planet and this universe. For the first time in man's long and black history, a being can find freedom and knowledge within one lifetime. The key is to keep moving on the bridge. At the upper levels of Scientology, you'll learn the secrets of this sector of the universe and the factors that have trapped beings for countless eons. Learn the technology that will make it impossible for you to ever be trapped again. It's kind of like, hey, do the things, keep moving, keep progressing, and you'll never have to suffer again. Love it. Is basically what's being marketed to people. Pretty compelling. Very compelling. (laughs) Of course, an important thing to mention is that while you're doing all this work on yourself to climb the bridge, of course, Scientology likes to make it clear that this work is not traditional therapy. In fact, pursuing therapy or working with secular mental health providers is strictly forbidden for Scientology members, which, like, fucking can't stand it, but whatever, it's fine. So, this is a clear example of how Scientology initially gains control of its members. Working through auditing, you're telling them all your deepest, darkest secrets, so they know every aspect of your life. Then, even if something feels fishy, they advise you not to seek help from a professional to sort out your feelings, as it is supposedly somehow impure. It's clear that they want to have their members' secrets to utilize as needed, but keep them away from anyone who may alert them to any control that the church may have over them. Very much like, you're going to just talk to us when you have a problem, not anybody else. Right. And also, like, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the chart for the OT levels, but it's like the lowest one, the cheapest one is (gasps) $2,700. My God. <laughs> so, and because that's like all that you pay for, because you have to pay for your auditing and you have to pay for all the books that you have to read. Mm-hmm. So it's 27 and then it's 52 and then it's 89 and then there are two in the middle. Um, one is $8,100 per 12 and a half hours and right. the other is $9,300 for 12 and a half hours. So I'm like, how many fucking hours does it take? It makes sense why celebrities can do this. Though. Yep. <laughs> Because if you can't afford to get the stuff to level up, then you just stay where you're at. Yeah. Which, like, every religion is different. But, like, if your religion – I feel like most religions are based on, like, you can be saved no matter what or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you'll do the work, it'll happen. Whereas this one's, like, you have to pay the money. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it just won't happen. Wow. Which, like, red flag. (laughs) They they need money. (laughs) So as you climb the bridge, you are brought closer and closer to the inner workings of the church itself and more and more pressure is placed on you as an individual to keep climbing the bridge and there's also more and more pressure to keep the secrets of what is learned in the levels the higher you go. So for example, one of the higher levels is supposedly currently only taught on a boat that sails in the Caribbean to ensure that the course is totally locked down and no outsiders outside of that level are able to have any knowledge of what goes on in it. So, like, you can't have these things, you can't learn these things until you can pay for them, until you've paid for all the other courses, and they are willing to take extreme measures to make sure that, like, 
knowledge is not spread, which to me doesn't seem like a transparent religion that only wants to share, like, you know, how to be a better person. Right. That's just me. No, I just, go get on a boat. Let's go on a boat to take <laughs> this $8,000 class. No. <laughs> um, Willa Appel describes a three-stage conversion process, which is also applicable to the Scientologists, which this whole thing is just, there was like, I read multiple like essays, like mm-hmm. actually like college essays, like thesis work yeah. done on this, which I was just blown away that it's just that big. Yeah, man. Um, so in the first stage of conversion, the recruit is isolated from his past life. Like we talked about earlier, doing the the audits and stuff like that, where you're gaining all this information, mm-hmm. but you're also isolating them because you are then teaching them the ways of how you're supposed to be. Yeah. So adopting a new language, for example. Mm-hmm. So then they are outcasted from their previous lifestyle because they don't speak the same language anymore. Yeah. Additionally, the student is pressured to spend every available minute on course instead of uh, on other things outside of Scientology, which are termed as off-purpose. Oh. So that's just, that's the first one of how they start to, like... Jesus. Really dig their claws into people. Yeah. So in the second phase of conversion, in Scientology, um, this phase is accomplished in two ways. First, through the practice of auditing, also called the confessional. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is through the ethics process of writing up one's overts and withholds which it's crazy to like read about this because i don't know how you get to this point we're like yeah this is fine this is normal so with this the person records every wrong deed real or imagined committed in this or in previous lifetimes and then the scientologist must produce these uh o's w's whatever they're called until the ethics Officer is satisfied, and he is reduced to an acceptable level of remorse and humiliation. Love that. So tearing down the person to build them back up. But also, you're like, this life and previous lifetime, so you're basically... really imagined. Yeah, so you're basically <laughs> telling people to start making some shit up, and then when we get tired of watching you write, you're done. Yes. The third phase of um, this uh, conversion is the convert uh, assumes a new identity and a new worldview. So in Scientology, this is accomplished through a process of going through written and tape-recorded materials and learning it and believing it and trusting it as truth. The member's confidence as all previously trusted social institutions is ended and replaced with the belief that salvation can come only through Scientology. So any church you were part of before, gone. Family before, gone. Trash. Gone. (laughs) They're not going to bring you what you need. That's salvation. So the person's new sense of identity comes from his or her belonging to the cult um, as all other allegiances are just severed. Yeah. So you have nothing. Except the cult. Yeah, you didn't have yourself anymore. Nope. And now what you thought was chaotic. <laughs> I'm very excited. This is a very long quote, you guys. I have a very long quote to read. So this is where the OT levels go from just strange to flat out insane. So first... Like, the first level is, like, okay, you have to get clear of your engrams, then you can ascend to the next level. So you clear your engrams. Then it's, like, pranked you. There are these things called circuits. Right. That cause your mind to be impure. And you have to go through a cleansing process to get rid of those. And then it's, like, you go up the bridge. And then it's, like, hey, guess what, guys? Aliens. I found an article online that outlines it just super well and quotes material that's usually kept locked up but has over the years been leaked 
So, yeah, just because it's outlined super well, I'm going to quote it. Obviously, credit where credit is due. The sources will be linked. The head of the galactic... I mean, this is chaotic. I just... (laughs) I started reading it, and I was like, what the fuck? Because basically, in the upper levels, he's like, oh, we're actually going to reveal more and more of these secrets to you. So this secret is the Galactic Confederation. Okay. So the head of the Galactic Confederation, which are comprised of 76 planets around larger stars visible from here founded 95 million years ago (laughs) very space opera solved overpopulation so 250 billion or so per planet with an average of 178 billion on average people per planet this head of the galactic confederation caused people to be brought to tgac or Earth. Or Earth. <laughs> and put an H-bomb in the principal volcanoes. Incident two. And then the Pacific ones were taken in boxes to Hawaii and the Atlantic ones to Las Palmas and they're packaged. The guy in charge of this was Xenu. He used renegades. Various misleading data by means of circuits, etc. was placed in the implants. When through with his crime, loyal officers to the people captured him after six years of battle and put him in an electronic mountain trap where he still is. They are gone. The place, a confederate, has since been a desert. The length and brutality of it all was such that this confederation never recovered. The implant is calculated to kill, by pneumonia, anyone who attempts to solve it. This liability has been dispensed with by my tech development. One can freewheel through the implant and die unless it is approached as precisely outlined. The freewheel, auto running on and on, lasts too long, deny sleep, etc., and one dies. In December of 67, I knew somebody had to take the plunge. I did and emerged very knocked out, but alive. Probably the only one to ever do so in 75 million years. I have all the data now, but only that giving here is needful. Good luck. Uh, that is from a bulletin. Okay, I was like, there are more. <laughs> Don't worry. That is from a bulletin. That was them quoting from a bulletin by L. Ron Hubbard. So then they kind of summarize some shit. And subsequent OT3 bulletins. So this is just the third fucking tier. Wow. They get you, they say, let's work through all the problems you have, and then you advance, and then they're like, surprise, all these circuits, we gotta work on these. Surprise. And then they're like, cool, we got you, let's talk about aliens. So, in the subsequent OT3 bulletins, Hubbard explains further, millions of years ago, an evil dictator of the Galactic Federation decided to solve overpopulation in his galaxy by rounding up people, freezing them, and shipping them to Earth on spaceships. Okay. They were deposited on two volcanoes, one at Las Palmas and one in Hawaii. Then nuclear explosions were set off, blowing these frozen souls into the stratosphere, where they were collected by electronic ribbons, a.k.a. force fields, and brought back to Earth where they were packaged into clusters. Why not? <laughs> After packaging, they were subjected to implants in which they were shown many different scenes on huge screens. Then they were just released to exist. And so, according to Hubbard, the great 
secret of this sector of the universe is that each person on Earth is not just a single person, but a collection or cluster of hundreds of different entities. This all places earlier auditing in Scientology into a different perspective. The real goal of auditing up to Clear had been to isolate the dominant entity, the I, from the pack and clear him first. Entities attached to the person are now called body thetans in Scientology. In OT3, the Scientologist learns how, while connected to the E-meter, to locate and contact these invisible entities and audit them through the nuclear explosion that implant that occurred 75 million years ago. As a result, according to Hubbard, the entity becomes free to fly off and to live a life on its own. To do this, the Scientologist, alone in a locked room and hooked up to the E-meter, telepathically locates an entity attached to some part of his body and asks the entity telepathically which volcano he was taken to, Las Palmas or Hawaii, while at the same time watching for reads on the E-meter. He must telepathically audit the entity through Incident 2, which is basically just explaining a bomb was dropped, there was explosion, ter- terrible winds, the Thetan was carried over the peak, the ribbon came up, he sucked to it, he was pulled down and implanted. If the entity does not leave after auditing him on Incident 2, then it's necessary to audit this entity on an earlier implant, which occurred four quadrillion years ago, called Incident 1, which consists of loud snap, waves of light, chariot comes out, turns right and left, cherub comes out, blows horn, comes close, shattering series of snacks, cherub fades back, blackness dumped on thee. You should go into theater. <laughs> <laughs> because Hubbard said that each person on Earth has hundreds of body thetans, Scientologists can spend 100 hours or more auditing on OT3. The resultant theory of being freed from all of one's body thetans is that one should be able to exteriorize or go out of one's body at will. So just be having out-of-body experiences, whatever you want. Although many Scientologists claim this ability... There is in Scientology no objective test to determine if this ability has ever been achieved. Hmm. The purpose of the remaining OT levels is to reorient the newly exterior (laughs) with the physical universe and through a series of drills help him regain his long lost powers of being psychic. Well, um, Tiffany deserves a fucking Emmy. <laughs> I'm gonna finish that. drinking my drink now. Performance. <laughs> it was like, it reminded me of when you like do like poetry reads and it's just words. <laughs> You're saying words. Explosion. Because that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it's like the bulletins that they quote and send out. I was like, I don't know what to cut. <laughs> um, Loud snap. <laughs> because it's just insane. It, like, yeah. It and it reads like science fiction, but people are like, this is real. I gotta, I gotta do this. But also I love the whole, you can have an out-of-body experience, but we actually don't have any way of testing this, but we're just gonna pretend like it's fine. Uh, yes. Um, so as, as Tiffany just said, there's a lot of science fiction in, sorry, <laughs> in her, in her long quote. Uh, which I'm sure is just one of many. Oh, yeah. One of many. I highly recommend you check out this article. 
but no actual science. No. Which seems weird, because he was best friends with a rocket scientist forever ago. So, there's a thing called an E-meter that they referenced in the... So, that's the that. science? That's the science, and it kind of sounds to me like, you know, when people are, like, ghost hunting, and they have the thing that's oh, supposed... Yes. To, that's what it reminds me of, but oh. it's, like, hooked up to your body. Okay. So, while you're, like... I obviously watched multiple documentaries about this. <laughs> And they're basically, like, you're sitting in there and you're just, like, trying. You're just, like, basically talking to the room yourself and you're watching it. And whenever you say something that, like, makes the meter jump, then you're like, oh, I must have found a body thetan and I've got to work on this now. It's a whole thing. Well, um, good for, good for having some science, I gotta say. <laughs> I guess it's science. <laughs> So, the secrecy surrounding these more outrageous beliefs allows people to be lured in by their humanitarian works, if I could ever spit that word out, before springing... You know what I've been thinking? What? It's probably harder to pronounce words the more we're drinking. Which, why the yes. fuck do we do that? I don't know, but we do. <laughs> like, every week I'm like, hmm, the drunker I'm getting, the less I'm making sense. Yeah, it's a real um, issue. Anyways, um... So, yeah, so they do great works, and then they're like, oh, by the way, here's all this fucking science. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> they actually have, like, a lot on their website about, like, oh, my God, look at what we do for addict recovery. Look at what we do for families. I found a lovely fucking article. I did not include it in this because I didn't really know where it fit. Yeah. But they um, almost got away with opening up a whole fucking rehab center somewhere. Yeah. And it got super shut down last minute because, like, there was – while they might have been doing good by, like – offering a place right for you know um people recovering from addiction yeah uh there was no there was no fine there was no line of like what are we what are we sending these people to go deal with essentially right <laughs> right cult. and they're very much like yes they believe they're like oh yes we help with addicts recover but they're right, like yeah. we don't provide any withdrawal support yeah we give them fluids yeah but they almost got like government and like books funding. to read unsurprised it was crazy i was like what is this um so and once you you're informed informed of all this top secret information Mm -hmm. you have to guard it and they don't want this getting out well unfortunately some of it did nope definitely (laughs) has um robert lifton identifies eight features common to all forms of what he calls ideological totalism eight psychological themes common to an environment in which brainwashing is present and each of these features can be found in Scientology. So it's not just like, oh, they got one or two. Dang, that's awkward. It's all oh, fucking eight. Oh. And they're like, you like, it's like bullet points. Like, I will also link this essay. Um, and it's like a bullet point, but then it goes into like the specifics of like, this is how they're doing this. And you don't even realize they're doing that because like, it does seem like they're being helpful. And then you're like, oh, wow, no. You're actually manipulating people. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing bad things. <laughs> bad vibes. Bad vibes. Um, how do you say her last name? Remini. Remini. Is how I, yeah. And it's just Leah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Leah Remini is perhaps one of the greatest examples of how Scientology tries to lash out at those who leave and speak out against the church. She has obviously been very open about her experiences with the church and their responses to her criticisms of the religion. She was a member for 35 years, which is like, that's a f- long fucking time. And then and then to leave. Yeah. But she did leave after doing some research on the church itself outside of the company lines that they gave her. 
Um, she noticed that Shelly, the wife of the new leader, David Miscavige, why not? Was yeah. mi- That also sounds made up. Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> was missing from a ceremony. And when she asked about um, where Shelly was, she was basically told, told it's none of your business. Don't ask questions, which like, ooh, not a good time. Up really sketch vibes. So she did some deep diving and then realized the fact that the church had not only been built on a foundation of lies, but that it was riddled with sexual abuse allegations and other forms of abuse of its members that had been occurring over the years. So she decided to leave the church and made it clear she was going to speak out as well as file a missing persons report for Shelley. Because celebrities are so important Mm -hmm. to the church because, number one, they bring in a lot of money, but number two, they bring in a lot of clout and with that, a lot of credibility. Like, oh, look at this person. They're famous and they believe in what we do. So, like, we're legit. The end. Right, yeah. Duh. Um, Now, the Church of Scientology has responded to this by claiming that Shelly is totally fine, even though she hasn't made a public appearance in over six years. They're like, yeah, she's fine. And people are like, cool, can we talk to her? And they're like, "Mm, no, sorry. She's busy. (laughs) She's in a meeting. She is fully booked, solid. She's on a boat. (laughs) Um, I believe there were rumors about like, oh, no, she's doing, like, she's progressing up the levels and she can't be distracted, whatever. But I'm like, for like almost a decade now? And why wouldn't she be going to ceremonies? Right. Sketchy. So they also say that, you know, Leah is just a has-been actress who's exploiting them for fame. And when Leah made it clear that she would expose their cult in every way she could, their response was that, quote, the church will go as far as possible to silence critics and enemies. Which feels a little aggressive to me. A little bit. A little bit. Um... As I'm sure most of you know, Leah has done several productions in the name of Exposing Scientology. In each one of these, it is made perfectly transparent that the different productions that those who participate often report stalking, which has been on several occasions caught on film, as well as receiving threatening letters from the church or cease and desist letters. Yeah, there was actually, there's a couple of episodes where it happens, but like there's one specifically where they're like driving around in clear water. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, there has been a black SUV. Like, they were filming at, like, the Scientology building. They were filming outside, and they were told to fuck off. So they did. And as soon as they left, like, this black SUV started following them. Mm. And then they were just like, I feel like we're being followed, so we're just going to take some turns and see what happens. And, like, this car just followed them the whole way. And they're like, great. Love this for us. No, that's not great. Yeah. In the course of her productions, Leah has exposed several of Scientology's awful tools for controlling their members. Ex-members describe the pressure I mentioned earlier, that you have to keep their secrets and you have to keep climbing the bridge, a.k.a. giving them more money. Um, They also explain how they were punished by being cut off from their family and friends for leaving, which is a classic cult move. One ex-member, Amy Scobie, tells the story of how she was raped by a 35-year-old member when she was 14. Rather than reporting it to the police, the church said they'd handle it internally, which, you know, to me sounds very similar to their handling of the Danny Masterson case, where they kept multiple sexual assault allegations completely quiet for years. Love that. We also talked about that case, too. Yep. (laughs) So Amy also talks about how she was a member of the Sea Org, which is basically the most elite workers who live in a compound and do work for the church. While there, the members of the organization were told that family was a distraction from obtaining their higher selves so they shouldn't associate with or contact their family anymore. Which, like, 
isolation. Yep. Um, if those people went missing or reassigned, never to be seen again, their family wouldn't even realize anything bad had happened to them because they were never in contact with each other. Yeah. Another super fun thing the Church of Scientology does to its Sea Org members is assigning them to the Rehabilitation Project Force. Basically, if you act out or defiant to any of the higher-ups, they'll send you to be isolated or to do hard manual labor until you're feeling submissive again. Mm -hmm. There are actually some people with some really fucking terrible stories, especially, like, um, people who ended up getting married. Um, So Sea Org members cannot get married. It's like, if you decide to be in the Sea Org, then you're just going to be doing this forever. And so there's, like, a story of a couple who is in one of the Leah Remini shows and they're like, yeah, we like started hanging out. We started talking and we wanted to get together. Um, but we weren't allowed to cause we were Sea Org members. So we decided to run away together. They're like, and literally we had to wait cause like they locked the gates Oh wow! and people knew that we were like close. So people were constantly watching us. Hmm. So it was literally like run away in the middle of the night. And hope they don't fucking track you down because you don't know what they're going to do to you. Jesus. When they find you. Like, these people were absolutely living in terror. Mm-hmm. Um, and even once they left, they were like, I just, I, we were in the Sea Org and they wanted us to stay there. They told us things. We knew things. We were yeah. doing things. And we mm-hmm. were an asset. And once we left, they were like, fuck you. You're not allowed to do that. Oh. Yeah. That's lovely. Um, so brings us back to undue influence. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, undue influence does not erase the person's old identity, but rather creates a new identity to suppress the old one. Behavior modification techniques are employed, such as rewards and punishments, thought stopping, and control of the environment, such as isolation or restriction of access to others. And then the new identity is reinforced, and the old identity is further suppressed. Dr. Clark said that the pattern of manipulated cult conversions may not appear especially radical to outsiders since no one is beaten or otherwise physically harmed. Like, I mean, we've heard before in the past with cults. Right. But under the force of conversion experience, people disappeared from their families and changed sometimes after only a few days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. And, you know, groups like this, like, really prey on people who are struggling. Yeah. People who are in a transition period, like you talked about earlier, where it's like, I don't know the kind of person that I want to be while I'm navigating this new experience in my life. And they're like, we can tell you. Right. And you're you're seeking out the sincere question of what is my faith or where, what happens after I'm not here anymore. Like, yeah. You're seeking answers. And some people are just more, um, you have cult leaders that are, um, they, like, just dupe you into thinking these yeah. bullshit statements are so grand. Well, and then, like, Scientology is honestly, like, it is super interesting from mm. an outside perspective mm-hmm. um, as far as the lies that they're able to get away with. Right, yeah. Um, one thing that I saw that I, like, again, was like, oh, cool, I could, like, include that. But I was like, where? Um <laughs> They have this teaching where, oh, I don't remember the name of it. Hold on. Let me look it up. Called the Emotional Tone Scale. Oh. And you can take a course on it. Of course, they have a course on all of their teachings. Sure. And basically, they're like, oh, 
if you learn the emotional tone skill, you can learn how every person is going to react every single time to every idea that they're like presented with like you can learn how i'm like okay cool so it's a course on how to manipulate people yeah (laughs) it sounds like you guys are saying you wrote the textbook on how to manipulate people and manipulate situations shouldn't advertise that i feel like that was a bad move yeah a little bit yeah it's just uh it's real sketchy another thing that's really sketchy is like um, obviously I, I don't know because I haven't spent a lot of time hanging, hanging out on the Scientology website, but supposedly they had a lot of things that were like, oh yes, here's in writing about what this is and what that is and what our leader did. And recently they've been making a trend towards making a lot more, if not all of their content available through video only. Cause they're like, you can't screenshot a video. Mm. So like you can't hear the audio in yeah. a screenshot. So right. It's a lot easier for them to make broad statements that if they're later proven wrong, by the time you go back to check, they can yeah. have it taken down. Right. Hmm. Not I mean, it's kind of smart. Yeah. It's smart's like, like giving them a lot of credit, but. It's real sneaky. It is, yes. Real fucking sneaky. It is. So, um, I guess you guys tell us if you think this is a good cult or a bad cult. <laughs> Or do you think it even is a cult? Not every cult's destructive. I did say that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, personally. Yeah. I'd say this one is. Yeah. The whole, like, there are people who are like, yeah, I was acting out according to them. So they fucking kept me trapped, locked in a fucking trailer with windows I couldn't open with no heat or AC in the middle of the California desert for, like, days. And I'm like, That's not great. No. And for me, it's hard to figure out, like, is there a cult that's non-destructive? Yeah. If they all use these manipulation tactics and behavior modifications, like... I was going to say LuLaRoe, but uh, they have fucked some people's lives up, so... <laughs> yeah, they have. Uh, so, yeah. Is there a non-destructive cult? That has to exist somewhere. Bronies? Well, I guess any religion can be considered a cult. Literally any religion can yeah. be considered a cult. So like, maybe that's what they're referring to, like. But even then, like, I think every religion that I've, <laughs> at some point in history, every religion has done something destructive. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun thing to ponder, though. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thought. Um, I don't know. It's just so mind-boggling because, like, the number of celebrities Mm-hmm. That There's they, so many. Yeah, honestly, like, the few that I listed, I was like, okay, I just want to pick the names that, like, mm-hmm. yes, people are going to recognize this. And then, like, there are some that it's like, what? You are on this? Anyone can Anyone can be a victim of a cult, like a charismatic cult leader. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I just feel like, especially at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything that's come out about them, it's so hard for me to, I don't know, like, you know this cult is about fucking aliens. Right. So, why are you, why you do this? Um, but that's like, people like, um, Greta Van Susteren, like, 
who I don't particularly, I'm not really a fan of because she was a big Fox News acre for a lot of years. Mm. Um, but she was also like an MSNBC anchor. She also used to be on CNN. Like she's worked with multiple big name news companies and she is like a vehement defender of Scientology. Like she is all about it. She's like, I totally believe with their ethics. I totally believe with their morality. And I'm like, that's a bold statement. Hmm. It's a bold statement for someone who sees like the oppression of people every day. For anybody who is interested in further information, of course, the Scientology website is there. You can enroll in their courses online. That is probably us just scratching the surface of Scientology and yeah. its history. And we didn't even get into like the known, like deep known crimes oh and my tragedies. God. How about, oh like, my God. <laughs> so I wanted to so include this, but like a couple years ago, there was a big deal because they were taking over Clearwater. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, we're putting a hold on it. But then I found an an article from 2021 mm-hmm. where it was like, hey, guess what? They're doing this again. They're just having their members do it more than like the church itself is to the point where there's like a Google map and there's literally like six buildings in downtown Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Otherwise, everything, every owner of every building has ties to Scientology. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. Yeah, they had, like, a whole conspiracy theory, or there wasn't a whole conspiracy theory. There was, like, a whole plan to basically infiltrate the government of Clearwater mm-hmm. and take it over, which you already know, so I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, no, um, when, because I don't remember it a ton, but, like, so they are in downtown Clearwater, which is, like, right before the bridge to get to Clearwater Beach. Mm-hmm. And so it's all, like, the big buildings and, like, just... I have been there. You know, yeah, courthouses, like, normal stuff. But then you just have all these people just walking around on the streets just, like, it's fucking Florida, mind you. It's fucking hot. Yeah. They're in, like, long sleeve button-downs, slacks, like, full-on suits with briefcases. And, like, that's just what Scientologists wear. You can okay. literally point them out on the street. Like, they look different than other business people, which is just so odd. Like, they have, like, just... You can just tell. I don't know what it is. That's wild. <laughs> it's really odd, though. I wonder what they're carrying in their briefcases. It's weird that I, like, grew up, like, right next to a cult, essentially. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I never really considered it to be. They weren't hurtful. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it feels a little hurtful that they were like, we're going to infiltrate the government well, of yeah. this town. But, I mean, they never did anything actually right. hurtful. And yeah. as far as, like, members go, I mean, everything's kept so secret that it's not known how hurtful they are to their members. And, I honestly, you know. like, that's the scariest part to me is mm-hmm. all of the unknown because, like, for everything that is known, I'm like, surely what's going on must be ten times worse. Right, yeah. Like, this woman has been missing. Right, yeah. For, like, almost a decade. So, it's what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> if we could have a public appearance, that'd be great. Attend one of the ceremonies. Just one. Like, you're the, surely. You're the main guys, the new main guys. You're his boo. <laughs> Second in command. <laughs> it's just, 10 out of 10 would not recommend. No. At least not me. Do you want to know a fun fact? I would love a fun fact. Uh, Shelly Miscavige has my birthday. Oh. <laughs> Only she's 61. Wow. So, yeah. Are you Shelly Miscavige reincarnated? Maybe she died. 
And now I am just the body thetans that were her. Something to think about. Oh, God. I really am going to have to go back to my therapist. (laughs) And get a brain scan. Honestly. (laughs) Your temporal lobe. So many things to do. So little time. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys let us know what you think, like we said. Um, Otherwise, do you want to move on to weekly verdicts? I would love to. Excellent. Perfect. Um, Do you want to go or do you want me to go? I think I'll go. Did you go first last time? I don't remember. I can't remember. But I know mine. So uh, my weekly verdict is just this really fun, neat little show on Amazon called Legends of Vox Machina. Okay. What's that about? I will I will tell – you know, honestly, you could watch it and you'd really enjoy it. Okay. So it's, so it's the Critical Role D&D thing. Yeah. So they literally made their – part of their first campaign, like the first, like, big arc. Mm-hmm. Into an animated series. Okay. And, like, it doesn't show you, like, rolling the dice and stuff. Mm. It's literally just, like, a fantasy animated thing. But it's all based off of the things that they actually, like... Did in the game. Did in the game. Like, what they rolled and how it turned out based on that. But they just animated it. And and all of them are voice actors, Mm -hmm. too. So they all have these amazing, like voices and stuff and it's just really it's really cool to see them That's like really fun. in real character form now <laughs> like playing it out um but yeah it was, it was a really good time we finished uh season one on friday so good, good stuff yeah they um there were some vampires oh some shit. necromancy wow zombies it is fucking gory as shit that's okay. what i'm like it is not like a sweet little animated thing. Like I yeah. was honestly was like, oh my god! Like I'm gonna have nightmares. Like oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, cool. I was like, wow, this is for adults. Wow. So, yeah, but I think you can get into it. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to look into that. It's it's short too. Excellent. Which makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really short. It's not four hours like the normal episodes are. Beautiful. <laughs> it's like 25 minutes. Um, mine is my Switch that Ian bought for me. Yes. That is my weekly, my weekly verdict. That is the thing I'm excited about this week. Um, for Valentine's Day, he bought me a Switch. I bought him a shrimp cocktail ring. Um, <laughs> we normally don't do things for Valentine's Day. That's funny. And I was in the grocery store and I was like, oh, and they had them because Valentine's Day. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I bet he would really enjoy this. Let Love me just those. let me just get him this little treat, like whatever. And then he was like, surprise, I got you a Switch. Happy Valentine's Day. And I was like, here's some shrimp. Cool. <laughs> here's some cold shrimp. I'm very excited about it, but I feel like an asshole now. That's funny. So yeah, no, it's been great. I've Played through all of what remains of Edith Finch. I've started another game. We talked about that on yep. this podcast. So we're doing it. Yeah. I bought Alex a dice case. Oh. It's one of his gifts in a lunchbox. That's nice. Yeah, so he can put all of his sets on display. Because he was complaining he doesn't have any cute stuff for his Aww. dresser. But, like, his cute stuff he isn't, cute like, stuff? aesthetically pleasing to me. But I was like, I could get behind a dice display case. There That's fine. Very very non-threatening. Yeah, exactly. And also, he got a glass that has our names etched onto it, and it's, like, going on adventures since 2017, because we got together. It's really cute. It's got little mountains in the background. That sounds adorable. Yes, 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 yes. You're such a good girlfriend. I try. He got me a coffee cup warmer over there. So Dope. my coffee will stay warm when I'm not drinking it. That's so nice. He also got me my lunchbox. We have we have matching lunchboxes, just different colors. That's adorable. It is. 
he also got me some Witcher dice. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. All right. Well, on to First Responders Unit. Perfect. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Luminol Cocktail Pod, and you can find us on Facebook, Luminol Cocktail Podcast. Um, DM us. Please. Please do. Let us know what you think about Scientology. Yeah. I Things ho- that you want us to talk about. I sincerely hope from the bottom of my heart <laughs> that this is the episode that a lot of people fucking talk to us about. And I hope, I'm like, what if it's all angry Scientologists? I would hope not. Like, <laughs> I would I, like to not deal with that. I am low-key scared. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. A little bit scared. I guess this is our first time we've ever really, like, personally attacked a group of people. But I don't feel like it's an attack. It's more of a, hey, guys. Are you destructive or non-destructive? What are your thoughts? And here's some shit that you did that was pretty fucked up and also aliens. Explain this to me. That made me think of that, like, meme from, like, ancient aliens. 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 Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought of yep. just now. All right. Share so, that yeah. on social media. <laughs> That'll be... <laughs> That is very fitting, actually. That'll be our teaser picture. <laughs> Aliens. People will be like, what in the fuck? They've really declined. Honestly. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will be back next week to serve you guys another round of Luminol Cocktails. <laughs>